Hi, and welcome to Fat Northern Christians, a podcast by two Fat Northern Christians. Why are we called Fat Northern Christians? Well, there's two of us, we live in the North, we're fat, and we're Christians. What more is there to say? In answer to that, I will pass over to my co-host, Phil. Hello, and uh, it's great that you've joined us on our first ever podcast, and Thank you for coming to hear from us. What what do we mean when we when we use the word Christian? Me and Phil are both members of a Christian church. We are people of faith. We believe in Jesus. But please don't stop the podcast just yet. We want to show that it's possible to have faith and not be a knob. So often Christians that appear in media are known for being so right-wing they're off the airplane or for wearing white suits and demanding money, or for being Ned Flanders, you get the idea. We're trying to dissuade you of that notion that all Christians are like that. And we're not going to demand that you give us money. At least not yet. Not until we start a Patreon when we've got some listeners. So what's our show about, Phil? Well, we thought that we would do what we do best, which was have a laugh talk about the news, and just catch up with what's going on in the world, uh, in the Christian world and in the world in general, and journey our way through this crazy life that we seem to be living at the moment. And do we have a good reason why we're starting a podcast at the end of lockdown, when everyone started their podcast six months ago? Because we're late adopters, Chris. That would be why. I would thought it was just real lazy. (laughs) But I'll take I'll take late adopters. I'm working on the ba- basis that we've procrastinated for six whole months, <laughs> and that really our to do lists were finished, and this just needed to happen. I agree with everything apart from our to do list being finished. It's so true, isn't it? <laughs> it's very true. Oh well. <laughs> so it's probably a good idea that we spend a little bit of time helping you, our wonderful listeners, just getting to know us a little bit more. So in some kind of pre-prepared questions, just to to get a flavour of who we are beyond the boring who are you and what do you do stuff. So, Chris, what's your favourite ever TV show and why? Sell it to us. <sighs> It's got to be the West Wing, and it only is getting more and more to be the West Wing. When I first started watching it, which was about when season three was first airing in 2001-ish, something like that in the UK, um, it was already diametrically opposite to what politics was like at the time, and has somehow managed to get more diametrically opposite, and that shouldn't be possible in geometry. But now it's just, it's the politics I want rather than the politics we have. And Bartlett is my president. How about you? It's quite funny you've said that. I will answer the question myself in a second, but I do love that programme. And I uh, I found myself just a couple of years ago re-watching the whole thing because it felt more normal than hearing President Trump <laughs> talk. And that was the normality I needed, so a great love. If I'm going to say my favourite TV show of all time, I'm probably thinking about the TV show that had 
a big influence on me when I was younger and really drew. So I'm thinking of season five in particular of Babylon 5. Ooh, good choice. Where we have this big build-up to this huge battle. I don't want to be big spoilers, but it was one of the first TV programmes that led me to be kind of gripped on the edge of my seat all the way through. And it's one of the places where I learned to love what power of movies and TVs can be, where they just take you from the ordinary and tell you a story that you could have never thought of by yourself. Being a Series 5 fan is not what a lot of Babylon 5 fans would expect. Would they not? No, Series 5 is seen as the black sheep of the series. This is where I'm going to show my geek to them, because Babylon 5 was always going to be a five-year arc, and it looked like it was going to get cancelled by the end of year four, and J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of Babylon 5, had been told that. So he took his two years of plans, cut some things out that he didn't, care for as much and shoved everything into season four and then they said by the way you've got your season five now and so he had to take all of that stuff that he'd thrown out and throw some more stuff in and that was season five and so it's widely regarded as the terrible season so well done for being awkward well all i'm gonna say is sorry geeks (laughs) i'm right (laughs) you're really not (laughs) again no spoilers but oh what was his name the incredibly um, Fabio-looking telepath. Byron. Byron, yes. Byron. So, I'm going to push us on. Chris. (laughs) But Byron. I can't move on from Byron. He's terrible. Sorry, yes, carry on. (laughs) That just sounds brilliant. Byron the Terrible. (laughs) No, I think you mean Ivan. What book are you currently reading and why? I am currently reading Hogfather by Terry Pratchett. Ah, good book. Not a new read to me by any stretch of the imagination. Are you feeling Christmassy? <laughs> Not yet. I only started this one this week. Ah. I started to undertake a rereading of all of the Discworld novels in November last year. Something like that. Um, and so I've managed to go to the Hogfather, taking a, a few sideways routes into other books in the meanwhile. Falling into a Terry Pratch, it's always a bit like falling into a comfortable bed and an easy read. Mm, he gets our humour, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'm currently reading a almost a university book, which is unlike me, but it's, uh, it's called Socialism Past and Future. Uh, and that's just because I've spent a lot of time trying to understand those I disagree with. As you, dear listener, will get to know me, you'll appreciate that I'm probably slightly left of centre politically. And Sorry, was that left of Stalin? Well, according to a test I did recently, I'm left of Gandhi. <laughs> Good effort. So I apologise for everything that comes out of my mouth. But in England, we've just had a big socialist experiment in Jeremy Corbyn that hasn't kind of worked. And I really thought I wanted to take some time figuring out where I stand in the mix. So I thought, why not read the kind of go-to uni textbook on what socialism is? And I just about made it through the introduction this evening. So i tell you more in future podcasts, or it will be burnt ritually and binned. When it too tells you you're slightly to the left of Gandhi. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping that that test is wrong. (laughs) Never thought of Gandhi as a particularly socialist guy. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Well, it was a political spectrum quiz, should I say. Okay, it was... fair enough. 
Chris, yes. what was the last album you bought or downloaded? <sighs> Probably whatever my daughter's been playing on my Spotify account for our Google Home. I think a lot of Sean Mendes at the minute, which is not my style. What about you? The thing that I am most listening to on repeat at the minute, which is not quite the question because I'm trying to avoid the question, is I've been listening to Hamilton, the original Broadway soundtrack recording, a lot. Is that because you were one of those people who watched it on Disney Plus for the first time, or had you already seen it? I'd not seen it. I had listened to it about 7,000 times by the time that Disney Plus came out. Was quite shocked to find out that there's another song in there that isn't on the soundtrack recording. Now, that always happens in musicals, but I thought because Hamilton was sung all the way through that they'd have them all in. But John Lawrence's little goodbye song at the end of Act One is not on the Broadway cast recording. So that was a shocker. But now you know. So I'm guessing this is a deeply embarrassing one. Can I rib you about the last thing you bought? <laughs> Just to see if we can it's, elicit the response that we require. It's not deeply embarrassing. It's just overly Christian. <laughs> um, it was Kim Walker-Smith's Wild Heart. Ah, yes. Which I downloaded because I was going on a drive last week with you. I wanted to listen to some worshipy type stuff. We did. I remember. Well, the last album I bought is probably slightly geeky. I'm a big vinyl fan. I have a growing collection of vinyl, which means I still buy albums, which is very surprising in this world of Spotify and iTunes and all the other variants which are available. I bought an album again because I went through it. Literally, the needle has completely wrought my old album version and... Uh, I required the Blues Brothers movie soundtrack oh, again, good which is an album I love, and it, it was one I play all the time, I must admit, but I, it always puts me in a good mood if I've had a bad day, and um, I enjoy it. That's a very good choice. Um, <laughs> you just don't get the ability to completely wreck your things by using them with downloads like you used to. No, but when it's £20 an album, you do regret <laughs> it. <laughs> I must admit, I was eking out every last bit of it I could get. I must because I just didn't really want to pay, and because it was out of print, I got good done, good and proper, which you'd appreciate as well, Chris. <laughs> I bought it because it was the only way I could buy it from uh, Zavi, who are a company that have gone bust, but yeah. are online only again. And it was about twenty five pound because it was the only one out, and then this week. On Thursday, so that was yesterday, Philip, I feel like it's a long time ago, but it was only yesterday, I got an email from HMV saying, there's a new re-release of <laughs> the Blues Brothers album, and it's only eighteen ninety nine. so oh. I threw my money away, but there well, we go. Buy the re-release now, so that when you go through this one, in fact, then go through the re-release, because the re-release will be worthless. Well, I considered buying it because it was light blue. <laughs> See, Which a is perfectly a somewhat reason. awkward thing to admit, but I guess it's uh, oh, oh, exciting colour. I'll buy it. I'm an easy mark, Chris. I'm an easy mark. Yes, yes, you are. Next question. Both me and Chris are big board game fans. We like to play with our families and friends. And I just wanted to ask you, Chris, what's your current favourite board game? Mm, hard choice. Um, 
Probably the one we're playing most often is Quacks of Quedlingburg with the kids. Although Zombicide is a firm favourite as well. Quacks, my kids love Quacks. It's an absolute hit. They love Quacks and uh, King Domino are probably their two favourite at the moment. Although I've been really enjoying playing with my son, who's determined to beat me, who's 10. And we've been playing Santorini a lot recently, which is his version of, well, it's not chess, but it's a bit chess-esque. yeah. <laughs> and he is determined to beat me as often as he can. And I'm not letting him very much. Good. So, so that one. And the last question is kind of uh, getting to know you. I feel like you can judge people more by their answers to these questions than you can from anything where we're pretending to be good people. What's your current favourite computer game? Because I know you're a big PS4 fan and a Switch fan. I am currently playing Red Dead Redemption, the original, because it came on PlayStation Now. I have Red Dead Redemption 2. I had never played Red Dead Redemption 1. I only realised the other day that there were games before Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> By, as in, not any game. But Red Dead games, yeah. I didn't even know that, so that shows how. They are not good. Don't, don't bother. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. But I found Red Dead Redemption 2 because it's such a vast place that it was taking me ages to get anywhere, and it's such a big game. And so I sort of stopped playing for it with it about the time I got to Saint Denis. And then I started playing Red Dead Redemption out of a, just a bit of curiousness when I saw it was on PS Now. I love it. It's brilliant. It's like Red Dead Redemption, but without quite as much of the complexity, which mm. in the when you've only got half an hour to play at a time with the children that I have, you don't just want to get from one place to another like you can in Red Dead Redemption 2. You want to actually shoot someone as well. So, so that's mine. How about you? Well, the big game in our house at the moment and has been since lockdown started is Animal Crossing. I knew you were going to um, say that. I started playing it almost as a just desire to get out of this world that we currently seem to find ourselves and the idea of being stranded on a desert island and just faffing about building things seemed much more fun than contemplating with my children can go to school or and all the other things you have to think about but then the kids really got involved and that was a problem because now I get nagged by them every day if I haven't done the allotted amount of fishing they need for money or if we haven't terraformed a certain part of the, the area or if the waterfall has got smaller or if or just all these things. And I must admit, I'm still a massive Mario Kart fan. So Of course, that's, that's the go-to for anyone. That's just this constant go-to. I saw that Nintendo released announced their toy version that's got a camera that can go around people's houses today. Yeah, you sent me that today. I think I might have to uh, add that to the show notes because that looks amazing. You go for it. It's just genius. Yeah, for those that haven't seen it yet and can't bother clicking in the show notes, that's you literally have a little remote-controlled Mario in a cart. You set up little markers to sort out your lap in your own room. And then you play it on the Switch while the remote control car goes through the room and the Switch puts in augmented reality cars and everything else in it. It looks amazing. Also looks like I need a bigger living room. 
And I wonder how many people are going to suffer injuries to their cars by the passing pet of the household. Oh, cat, pet, child, um, trying to make them do massive jumps, which I think is what I was planning. I was trying to figure out if I could get it to do a jump out my front door and then round to the back of my garden to increase the size of the track. I like the fact that you've put some serious thought into this, Chris. Of course. <laughs> this, is, this is what I have to spend my time doing when I'm supposed to be working. So, Chris, lead us on to our next section. Sure thing. So, next section, review of the week. This is where we just take a look at some of the things that have been happening in the week and spitball about them, figure out if they're a good thing, if they're a bad thing, and generally give our take on what we think has been happening. So, let's have a look at the list of things we've noted down here. And... Phil, you wrote down at the end of my favouritely named um, government assistance scheme, Eat Out to Help Out. Well, apart from the fact that it does have a very unfortunate name, I must admit that me and my family have made use of it. And I saw someone post a meme the other day, which I don't think I saved, which is a mistake. But it said that they thought that it was probably the the nicest thing the Tory party has ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Which made me giggle. Wasn't it the Conservatives that started the NHS? No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Should we try minimum wage? No. no Should we try uh, hospitals? Nope. Schools? No. Brought in powdered wigs? <laughs> to be fair to them, they have also taken a lot of people out of tax. Although training half of society that they don't have to pay tax when the other half tries to avoid it might not be the best choice. Yeah, we well, probably only used it two or three times, but you definitely notice the difference when you're taking a family of four to eat out. Just the it suddenly seemed affordable again. But yeah, it's a it's a shame that it's finished. Yeah, and it probably was a good way of getting us out of the house and getting us used to getting back into society after a a very strange period of time being locked in the house. Well, yeah, if it got you out of the house, it did remarkably well. Well, save a few quid. Everybody will run. And I'm aware also in this last week, Chris, that we, uh, if we had a podcast last week, we probably would have talked about our friends over the pond having their Republican National Conference. You know what? I'm still happy to talk about it now. There are some things that just need to be mentioned. Did you? And I'm sure because you tuned into every single moment. I, I, I couldn't. It- like my my brain could only cope with so much of it and like trying to watch a Trump interview all the way through because I feel I need to so I can mock him shamelessly is enough for my brain as it is. Did you see the slightly scary talk by Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend who I'm really sorry, I don't know her name off the top of my head, but who did the... Was she the woman that opened the convention? Yes. That was terrifying. Utterly terrifying. I think I saw that on John Oliver last week tonight with John Oliver. It scared the life out of me. Which was what most of the Republican National Conference was designed to do. <laughs> so obviously they started off on the right foot. Now I should explain to any of our any of our new listeners who are in America that in England we tend to shift a lot to the left compared to you guys over there. So when 
our Conservative Party is probably closer to your um, Democrat Party, let alone getting across to your Republican Party. Although our, our politicians are doing the best to uh, close that gap. Well, they're certainly making a concerted effort. I will give you that one, Christopher. Yeah, so yeah, some of my favourite highlights of the Republican National Conference Convention were Christian and Vice President Mike Pence praying to the United States flag at Old Glory and quoting Bible verses and replacing the word Jesus with Old Glory. That was disturbing to me. It was just baffling. Did you see that one? I did see it. I saw it today earlier on when I, I looked and... I suppose there is just a whole jump, isn't there, of, of, of the Christian right at the moment lurching to behind Trump and seemingly forgetting where it used to be. It's a strange phenomena to watch. All these people getting behind and trying to explain away this man's great sins. I, d- I do love it that they're all people that four and a bit years ago before he became the nominee, or just just over four years ago. These were the people that were never Trumpers and there's no way he can be our president or our nominee. Four small years later, they've all managed to slip back under that rock and, well, two-facedly praising him for all that he's supposedly done. Yes, not a Trump fan, but our listeners, in case you haven't guessed. Unfortunately, listeners, you're probably not going to find our podcast the best if you are a Trump, heavy Trump supporter. Although I really wish you would stay around because I'm sure we'll pull a few things up that will really helpfully educate. Absolutely. But if you do want to send hate mail, please send it to I don't care what you think at fatnorthernchristians.com. And we promise that we will give that its due care and attention in the waste Absolutely. I suppose big news over here in England is that uh, it's the first school experience for many of our children this week. I'm so happy, Phil. Are you? I was going to ask you, though, in seriousness, did you find it a difficult thing to do or were you just throwing them out the door? (laughs) They were out the door as quick as possible. I mean, in both both sides of it, they were quite happy to get out of the house. I was quite happy to kick them out of the house. Um, my son's just started secondary school and his his school has been brilliant about it. They've done as much as they can to protect the kids and the teachers and everyone involved. They've been communicative and I just can't praise them highly enough, really. They've, they've done everything we could have wanted. Um, my son's come home happy Two days out of two so far, so that's good. That is a win. My daughter's been back for two days, and my son, today, they seem to have been very happy to go and see their friends again and run around, but I'm I'm still a bit nervous, but then I normally am. I'm the kind of anxious dad, so that's the role I play. But it was good to see them having fun and enjoying it, and I know that there would have been a lot of parents saying, few this morning. And some of the same parents were probably also nervously waiting at the end of the day to make sure that everything had been okay. And it will be interesting to see what the knock-on effect that has on the R rating and what's going on. Yeah. It's got got to be interesting to watch that graph over the next couple of weeks. It's probably worth noting for any viewers not in England that in England, 
uh, coronavirus levels are relatively low, but they are increasing, and they seem to be increasing quite prominently over the last week. I think we went from about 1,100 cases a day to today 1,700, which is guessing we've got an hour rating of between 1.2 and 1.3. So if our kids go back to school and that push that up anymore, then we're going to have to have various things locked down, which is going to be a scary couple of weeks, I suppose. Yeah, although at least the government is now doing sort of regional lockdowns rather than just going straight to the national. Although I see, didn't they ease some of the restrictions in the northwest? Uh, no, I think at the last minute they didn't. Because the local government in the northwest yesterday said, please don't. So I think they'd announced they were going to and then they backtracked. I mean, it's unlike our government to U-turn. No, absolutely. I think we might be talking about that later. I think we're at, is it 15 in the last two weeks? Or month, should I say? It's an impressive thing. So yeah, we'll get on to that. I think I'm a bit of a firm believer that we're probably going to have a second peak in the middle of winter. Uh, I hope I'm completely yeah. wrong, but I think when infection season properly kicks in, it's going to be difficult for them not to be. So I think it makes sense that the kids are back now while it's not so bad. Though I did read a terrifying article in the Times just before I came on that said that they are running out of tests in different places at the moment. And one family today was offered to take a test 200 miles away from where they live. <laughs> Although it may have been 175, but you get the picture. It's it's a long way away. It's 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 a long way, and not something you should be partaking in travel if you are possibly infected. Yeah, the government admitted it and said that they're prioritising cases in areas with more infection than places without. And the reporter pointed out, well, how do you know if they're not there if you're not doing <laughs> tests? Which is Made me laugh, because it's very true. And as Donald Trump has told us numerous times in the last few months, if you test, you get more cases. It's just the way it works. I mean, the one thing I would say that's very hopeful for us over here in the, in England is that our test rate is producing roughly, it's 1.5% of everyone who gets tests who's coming back with a positive. So that is suggesting that people are going forward for tests when they've got something wrong, and most of the time it's not coronavirus but it's a strange time we find ourselves in as you've probably heard that phrase a million times in the last (laughs) six months yes only slightly worse than the new normal well yes as long long may an injection come (laughs) i found out today that my uh, office is trying to arrange for half an hour time slot for everyone that hasn't been in the office since March to go back in and clean their lockers up. i tell you what, there's got to be some interesting new diseases coming out of some of those lockers, let alone out of Chinese labs in Wuhan. That's getting towards the point where you open the locker and your old socks walk out. Quite a lot of people stored food in their lockers as well. <laughs> I'm really disturbed by what that's going to look like after six months. Well, I'm guessing they tried to get the cleaners to open them to and then realised that the cleaners wouldn't do it. I suppose it is a privacy issue, isn't it? And the other news that's just happened in the last hour or two is seeing that 15,000 people 
have signed a petition to remove Franklin Graham from Samaritan's Purse. Um, yeah. Do you know what that's over, Chris? That's over him praying at the Republican National Convention, mentioning the RNC again. Praise was opened the RNC in prayer and was talking about the many, many blessings we've received these past four years. And I think the more left-wing Christians and non-Christians in America are taking slight at that. Um, One news article I read said, We would hardly consider family separation, the deadly federal COVID-19 response, rampant corruption or authoritarianism, or ongoing systemic racism to be blessings. So, they seem to disagree with him. Well, I can see that they do. Um, I think there's probably some sound reasoning behind that. Although, talking about many blessings is making me feel think of Louis Gigolo. Gigolo. There was a mistake there. <laughs> not Louis Gigolo. That's, that's, there's a mistake there that I'm... <laughs> there's no way that's not going to get edited, is there? As much as I'm going red at the mere suggestion of the fact that I got that one wrong, the mistake he made... Uh, a few weeks ago in a recording. Oh, that was the um, the blessing of slavery. Well, that was his opinion of, not not ours. Yes, Chris. not ours. No, we no, do not want to be sued, ours. and we do not consider slavery a blessing in any way, no. shape, or form. But yeah, the he unfortunately, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think he was basically trying to say that although slavery was a terrible thing, that a lot of good came out of it. But even in his apology, that didn't come across well. I think did he was did he have to apologize apologize for his apology? I can't quite remember. I don't remember an apology for his an apology. Although I love the sentiment of it, the idea of an apology for an apology. <laughs> I didn't apologize properly enough. But it does happen nowadays. Well, that's because no one apologizes anymore. They give a non-apology. I'm sorry you were hurt and offended by my actions. Yes. I'm terribly, terribly sorry if you were hurt by my opinion. Yes, the less said about that, the better. Although not on a podcast, because that would be difficult to fill time. Let's let's have a moment of mourning for all the things that are said and spoken. (laughs) Right, we're done with that. Guide us on. Right, next section then. Right, Uh, so our next section, as I said earlier, both me and Phil are active in a Christian church. And we get to hear many, 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 many different songs about worship and worshipping God. And some of them are utterly terrible. Some of them are really good, but have one line that just makes the whole song pointless. And some of them have one line that makes the whole song just seem wrong. So in what we hope to be a regular section, we're going to talk about some of the terrible theology in worship songs. To start with, we were going to talk about some of our all-time favourites or unfavourites. Well, you only get to do it, don't you, when it's brand new podcast. You can go back to whenever, but soon it will have to be whatever's new. And then it will be harder to find. Well, I was going to say new in the Christian church means about 25 years old, though. So we've, we've got some, some leeway. Well, that's true. So do you want to go first, Phil, or shall I? I think you probably should. Ease us in gently, Christopher. Okay. One particular song has irked me from the first moment I heard it on the Michael W. Smith Worship album. And that song is Above All. 
And it's a song with lots of very good words and a good tune, but I cannot cope with the chorus. I cannot cope with the chorus that says, Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and fought of me above all. A rose never died for my sins. Did it not? It didn't. No, only Jesus oh. did. A, a, a rose didn't think of me above all. I'm pretty sure, apart from in the books of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, flowers very rarely think. And it's a really good song. And if they'd have just thought about possibly another line that didn't suggest that a rose and our Lord and Saviour Jesus were the same thing. And I know I could, I'm getting pedantic about allegory or analogy or one of the allergies, but it just drives me potty. I can't listen to the song without banging my head on a steering wheel as I'm usually listening in the car. Possibly quite a few of mine are going to be crazy pedantry about a missing comma because you don't put commas in songs. How about yours, Phil? Because I, I, we talked about yours and I know yours is uh, uh, it's a cracker and I agree with it wholeheartedly. Well, I feel like I'm being a bit risque in episode one, but what for me, it is those worship songs that if you walked into church for the first time in the modern era and you heard the words read out, you wouldn't be thinking of Jesus. You would be thinking... Yeah, you really wouldn't. ...of, <laughs> oh my days, who wrote this filth and why are we singing it in church? So I'm just going to read the chorus of the song I picked. The song I picked was Pour Over Me by Stuart Townend, a man who I have met and didn't tell him this, so now I feel slightly guilty. <laughs> I doubt he's going to listen. We're probably fine. Just remember the email address that Chris said earlier, Stuart. The the (laughs) lyrics of the chorus say, Pour over me, pour over me, let your rain flood this thirsty soul. Pour over me your waves of love, pour over me. Now, that's not the image I want to have in my mind. Yeah. While we were trying to remember the title of the song, the only line we could remember because it sort of sticks in memory was, pour over me your waves of love. And I had to double check that Safe Search was on before I Googled those lines because I'm not risking it. I'm not risking that being on my ASP. That you do not want Jesus's waves of love to pour over you. (laughs) I'm saying it's still slightly better than the songs where we entreat Lord Jesus to come time and time again. Well, I suppose there's more of that another week. <laughs> there, there, there almost certainly is. But for now, should we try and be a bit more serious? Yes, I think it's probably time. Guide us. Time for the serious bit. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> so, as much as me and Phil love banter, and as much as me and Phil like taking the mick out of what's going on, we do actually care deeply about our faith. We do actually care deeply about the people that we know and love and the people that we don't know and should love. And so there's a there's going to be a series of topics about um, serious bits where we talk about things that don't get talked about. Topics that we're thinking of including are homosexuality in the Bible, transsexuality in the Bible, um, mental illness... Abortion, toxic masculinity, pacifism, things like that. It's probably worth mentioning that if you have an idea of what you think standard Christians believe 
about all those areas, <laughs> you may be surprised where we end up. You may indeed. Yeah. Um, especially if we do have any listeners from over the pond. As Phil said earlier, UK Christians tend to be more left-wing, whereas the impression that we get from this side of the Atlantic is that US Christians tend to be very conservative, with both a small and a capital C. Um, and so you may be interested in what we think about some of these. But for our first one, we wanted to talk about mental illness. Mm. Um, in some ways, this is just a bit more of the, the who we are, because I won't talk much for Phil, but I have suffered from mental illness, depression particularly, and anxiety a lot of the time since I was a teenager. Um, I knew I could be diagnosed at 16, but wasn't brave enough to go for help. I first went for help at the age of 22, I think 22, maybe a bit older. I'm approaching middle age now, and depression has been something that has stuck by me like the the black dog that it's often described as seems to be something that also has an effect on my children both my depression and what seems to be their beginnings of uh, a mental condition so yeah i i have been diagnosed as a major depressive disorder is my diagnosis and it has been since i was in my mid-20s um, I have been on medication for them for about that long. The medication sometimes works. Actually, that's not true. The medication works. I would be a lot worse without the medication. But the medication doesn't. is not a, a miracle cure for me. It makes life more bearable, but doesn't make life easy. Mm. Um, and that's okay. And I know that in some churches, not the church I'm in now, thankfully, but in some churches, mental illness can be seen as a as a stigma that if you are mentally ill, you're not walking in the victory, as I have been told before now when I've entered a church and not having a good day. But I think it's safe to say that both me and Phil believe that mental illness is just that, an illness, and it's something that you need to seek help for, and it's something that anyone that calls themselves a Christian should be helping you to seek help for and encouraging you to seek help for. Don't get me wrong, it's a very scary thing, particularly that first time yesterday or this morning I was reading a thread on Twitter about a child who was unable to get help in the UK with bipolar disorder and he had to keep going and asking and asking and asking to be given help because he wasn't seen as critical enough. He wasn't seen as enough enough of a crisis point to get help. And that staggered me that someone could need to be that brave while they're suffering from an illness that many times to get help. If you just try and picture someone with cancer having to go and beg for treatment five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and then being told that they can't be treated until they're stage four. It's it's a crazy situation, and it's not one that seems to be getting any better. It's not one that seems to be getting the right funding, and the right level of funding in this country, at least. 
just wanted to say thanks for saying that, Chris, because it's such an important thing and a journey we need to hear more and more in our churches and, and in our places of work. I know that a lot has been done, in particularly in the last five years, to try and raise awareness about mental illness. But let's be honest, there's a long way to go. I know that the first time I had a chat with about mental illness in a church when I was 16, uh, we were pretty much told that real strong men just get over it. And <laughs> unfortunately, Absolutely. that prevalent view does come across. So, dear listener, if you are somebody who struggles with mental illness, know that you found some friends. Know that not everybody speaks about it the way that you may have heard. And I'm sure mental illness will be a topic we talk lots about. I know in my journey, I've had periods of depression rather than, I suppose, it being an always thing. Although I do know it's always there. It's just at what level it's taking over my mind at the time. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm walking through fog, and sometimes I don't. And I'm very grateful for those times when I'm not. And sometimes mm -hmm. I can be in the middle of the fog and not even realise I'm in the fog, and then go, ah, yes, how is that? happened um and just as we take a tablet if we've got a heart condition or we've got problems with our eyes or whatever other reason why we would take a tablet i think it's absolutely fine that we take tablets and we should do for any illnesses that happen in our brain um, and we really want to kind of destigmatize that and just say that there are lots of people in churches who would be really good to get alongside you and to talk if you're journeying with that. And thankfully, you shouldn't get judged like used to be the way. And if you do, try another church. There's 16 and odd thousand of them in Britain. So you can... Seems like a good reason to get out of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he yep. says in the, in the nicest possible way thank you for sharing your journey Chris you're very welcome one, one of the things that I have always endeavoured to do in both about mental illness and about a lot of other things is honestly it breaks a lot of barriers people, people are often quite surprised at how open I am about it some way it's just because I don't know how else to be about it anymore but if I can break down a barrier in someone's mind now and then someone they love is depressed at a later time and they can be that little bit more caring or that little bit more understanding at another time then I did some good good stuff right shall we move on Philip yes I suppose we should What's next? I think it might be time for some awards. Oh, yes, we're uh, planning on having a weekly award, but we struggled with the name of it. <laughs> we have a very strong name for it, but we decided that we might not sound remotely Christian if we use that name. So we've settled upon what will hopefully be an ongoing thing, Richard of the Week. So if you shorten the word Richard, you get where we're going. If anyone doesn't, 
particularly Americans, you can also email whatisarichard at fatmorganchristians.com. And I really hope you'll get an auto email pinging you back with a word. <laughs> with just one word. Hopefully not a picture. <laughs> no, not, not a picture. I'm not a US senator. So, Chris, have you put some thought into who will be your recipient of this um, award? Yes. I believe my recipient of the inaugural Richard of the Week will be Jerry Falwell Jr. A man who, during COVID, seems to have made a few outstandingly bad decisions. Although some of them weren't during COVID at all. They've been for the last eight to ten years, if uh, certain stories are to be believed. his first He first came to mind this month because of an unfortunate picture he had taken with, I believe it was a friend of his wife, where for some reason he thought it would be a good idea to open his fly with this woman and have a picture taken. And I thought, well, that's terrible and not really a good um, indication of what Christian leadership should be, as Jerry Farwell is the, or was the leader of a Christian university. And then it came to light that allegedly... A poor boy came and said that he has been having an affair with Jerry Fowler Jr.'s wife, which would have had you know, nothing to do with Jerry Fowler, apart from the fairly lewd detail that apparently he regularly watched them. And when the students of Liberty University have to sign up to They Won't Date, um, They Won't Be Alone With people of the opposite gender, they won't partake of any alcoholic beverage, is um, a remarkable story in and of itself, made worse by him then announcing his resignation, which I think would have been a good call. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he quoted Martin Luther King by saying that he was free at last and is reportedly going to get a $10.5 million payout as part of him resigning under a cloud. When asked about the payout, he said that it was his due and that he should receive his full severance package because he didn't break any rules, so he gets his compensation. I'm pretty sure that legislators might be able to find a reason why he did going through a however many page handbook that I'm sure he did have to sign. Yeah, I was glad to hear that Liberty University was actually, um, had announced a forensic probe that they were going, (laughs) that just sounds wrong given what he's resigned because of, Um, (laughs) a forensic probe into allegations. Well, I think that's probably due for him. Now, my understanding of Jerry Fowle Jr., which is very limited, I must admit, is that he's also a keen supporter of Trump, isn't he? He is, yes. He endorsed President Trump in 2016 for the Republican nomination. He endorsed him, obviously, for, for president. He has regularly been photographed um, standing with the president. And my favourite, in a 2019, January 2019 interview... He was asked, is there anything President Trump could do that would endanger support from you or other evangelical leaders? And he answered, no. Okay, so 
he could deny Christ and he'd still support him. What do you mean, could? And I saw also today <laughs> when I googled the name to try and find a bit more back information about him, I saw a wonderful picture of Jerry Falwell Jr. introducing his pool boy to Donald Trump. <laughs> I've not seen that picture. Well, in fact, it's even better, to be fair, because it's his wife introducing um, him to Donald Trump. And just behind the door, it's slightly opening with his head peering round is Jerry Falwell Jr. in his favourite <laughs> corner, presumably. My Richard of the Week this week has been the... It's, it's a whole organisation. What can I say? I've gone big. I know that our friends over the pond are used to having uh, opinion-based news so kind of the style of Fox News, where in England we have laws which say that news has to be more rooted in the fact. It's not just about how you feel about things. If it's not balanced, it doesn't count. Well, those rules seem to be edging out, and it looks like there's going to be a couple of news stations vying for the position of right-wing news. Can, and, can I just interrupt for a second? Yes, and point out that opinion-based news is a tautology and an oxymoron. You can have opinion, and you can have news. You cannot have opinion-based news, no matter what this government and the American broadcast networks think. Well, like most news, they seem to find someone who's going to disagree with your perfectly reasonable point. <laughs> um, so I wanted to throw the whole of opinion-based news, because we do have it in written form in Britain, so... If you read the Daily Mail, that is frequently found to not be telling the truth. Not always. Please don't sue us yet. It's our first time and we don't have a lot of money. But um, there are written newspapers that don't ha don't always um, stick to the letter of what they can prove and opinions are guiding. But the idea that using media that most of us watch TV uh, to create a deliberately right-wing station that just pours out content based upon opinions rather than based upon facts is somewhat misleading, and it's not something we're used to over here, and I kind of feel it'll have a detrimental effect in the first few years because whilst we are just about getting used to the echo chambers of Facebook where we only hear our opinions fed back to us, or if we see something we don't like, we can just click go away, or, uh, or turn notifications off, or whatever we do, click, uh, block it. Uh, we're not going to be able to do that on our TV screens, and I think I'm just a champion of the middle ground. I'd rather that we just had the news. This is the truth, this is the way it is. I can spin it, but you don't, please. And the idea that things are going You're to be so more very old school. Well, I am. I mean, I, I am. I'm a traditional old school broadsheet reader. I can't really explain it to my away in other words. But I just, I just want the facts. Thanks. It's hard enough to figure out what's going on in the world without having to go through that minefield before I've had my coffee and gone out to work. Absolutely. There, I am done. Yeah, not not one I am fond of either. I watch a lot of American news and American news satire and um, 
some of the things they can get away with in an opinion-based news station that even though our media is by no means fair and unbiased, it's still nowhere near that level of opinion-only news yet. Which, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying thing for people that don't have as much exposure to it as we may do. One thing we hope to do with Richard of the Week is once we actually get some listeners, we will be posting on Fat Northern XTNS at Twitter um, and asking you to decide which of our choices should be the Richard of the Week. And then I'm fairly sure that if we can find a Twitter account for them, we can let them know of the prestigious award that they have been given. Uh, Phil, do we have an, more awards this week? Yes, we do. We have two that we created for our first ever podcast. These type of awards are awards that will only they will change every week. It's just an award that we made up to fit into something that we thought probably was funny or that was deserving. So the first award we have created is the I'm So Dizzy Award. And Chris, you were the person to give put forward the nomination for this. Well, yes, we we talked about this briefly earlier on, and I just want to say, in a week when the new Tony Hawk game is due out on consoles, it's good to see the Conservative government practising 180s and 540s well in advance of its release, because the Conservative government has done so many U-turns on its policy decisions in the last month, it must be dizzy by now. Um, From... Let's see, there was the election snafu where their mutant algorithm, as Boris Johnson called it, seemed to just be based on what postcode you were in. And if you were in a poorer postcode, you did poorly in your A-levels, particularly, and also in GCSEs to some extent. And there are a lot of very upset 18-year-olds who lost places at university because this algorithm didn't like the place where they lived. And the Conservative government U-turned on it, allowed the teacher's predicted grades to stand, thankfully, but a week too late for a lot of people where places had already been given out that they had guaranteed until their A-level grades came out worse and then were given away to other people. So there's a lot of young adults not knowing where they're doing what they're doing or where they're going and that is a travesty and it's by no means the first last or only u-turn the conservative government has done in the last month well they've also done a u-turn on face mask in school this week (laughs) oh my my favorite bbc news article of the month came out of that one Phil, very kindly, he knew my son was going into secondary school, so he very kindly sent me a link um, to the BBC News website, where in three paragraphs, they managed to suggest that face masks must be worn, could be worn at the discretion of the headmasters, and didn't need to be worn. And it was only after a sort of intensive degree-level dissection of the paragraphs that you were actually able to find the truth, uh, which was that masks would be essential in areas where they were locally locked down. Schools could say that masks should be worn, 
and that the Department for Education in the UK was not changing its guidance other than to allow the schools to have their, the privilege of deciding their own fate. Um, but in one news article and in one day, the government managed to give free guidelines. So I think a round of applause to all head teachers and school administration who have spent hours reading this nonsense to try and get the kids into school safely and within the guidelines set by a government that changed guidelines right up until the Friday before school started at about five o'clock. I got passionate about that film. Well, it probably wasn't the best thing to do if you're going to do strong and stable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> strong and stable, two words not given to Boris Johnson since before the election. I'm not even sure they were given even to him before the election, Christopher. Yeah, a bit like our oven-ready Brexit deal, but that's for another serious bit. Well, it's an oven-ready hard the hard deal, isn't it? At the moment, <laughs> as both sides have shit channeled this week, the other side needs to do more <laughs> without actually conceding any points whatsoever. Yeah, of course. The problem with that is that it only really upsets one of us if the other one doesn't do something. Well, yes, there is that. I mean, I suppose we have got two and a half months or three months more of negotiation to to uh, negotiate a trade deal that should take eighteen plus months. Yeah, looking forward to that one. That's that's the next one once we get out of lockdown. Well, I'm just hoping that if this podcast continues, which we hope it will, when this podcast continues, <laughs> have faith. I know, I know. It was, it was, it's, it, it waned for a second. I hope that we will have internet that is capable of transmitting this after January, <laughs> when we formally and fully leave Europe in entirety. I'm just hoping for electricity and food, so. And medicine, which quite a lot of my medicine will be difficult to get. Do you remember the sound of 56k dong- dongles, Chris, with the transconnect <laughs> internet? <laughs> 56k dongle, one of the films that we're going to watch later, is it? <laughs> I do remember the sound of 56k bowed modems, yes. Well, you are They're more from... technical than me, so you get to win that I, one. I remember the sound of 14.4. Now, yes... <laughs> but I don't. But then you are older. I am very, very old. Um, now I wanted to give an award to the best Christian title of the week because I received Absolutely. a slightly interesting email from somebody with a, just a wonderful title that uh, we both agreed it needed to be shared. the uh, The title was the Patriarch of the Byzantine Catholic Patriarch KT. Is that how you pronounce that word? Uh, that is how I've chosen to pronounce that word. Okay. Because it looks like Patriarch 8. Patriarch 8. Pa- patriarch? Yeah, Patriarchate, maybe. Um, I apologise if you are a firm member of their church. Uh, well, I apologise because their theology is crazy. But I also <laughs> apologise. Again, that email to send hate mail to <laughs> You'll know yeah, the name it, better it, than it, us. It is a great title, and not only for, as, as I'm, I'm looking at it in our notes now, the fact that it is called the Byzantine Catholic Patriarchate, and he is the Patriarch of the Patriarchate, so just in case you didn't know, he was the big cheese. 
he tells you in his job title that he is the big cheese of big cheeses. And that, that email, which you thankfully forwarded to me for my uh, edification and theological study. Christopher, I sent it to you for your repentance and change of mind. <laughs> it, it, it was um, genius. Um, I would uh, I'd actually advise anybody listening to Google the uh, Byzantine Catholic Patriarchate and look at their press releases to discover why you will most definitely die of 5G. And I'm not just die, go to hell, Phil. Oh, yes, that was it. You, you will go to hell, apparently, if you get the COVID-19 immunisation because of 5G. I thought it was 5G that was giving you illness, not COVID, and that you would die because of the RFID chip they're secretly hiding in it, which will abandon your soul. The RFID tag was supposed to be the mark from Revelation, and that was how they were able to spin such an impressive uh, apocalyptic line of thought about it. But it's well worth reading their balanced and nuanced emails. Um, yes, a small disclaimer, if you are the sort of person that likes opinion-based news, um, believes in the QAnon conspiracy, or pretty much any of the other conspiracy theories, please do not read this. It will not be good for your mental health. And as we earlier stated, we care about your mental health. So, Phil, are we, do we think that's enough for our first podcast? Shall we call it a day there? Well, I think you've probably got a flavour, listeners, of uh, who we are, uh, the type of humour we have, probably where our politics lie, and... A chance to build a relationship together as we journey through this world, and hopefully, as Chris says, time goes on, we'll have be able to put a lot more out there for you to feed back to us, so that we can be go through these journeys together. And we really want to hear what you think and what you would like us to talk about, and we'll give you plenty of opportunities to do that. And I suppose, that by way of closing, it would be worth saying thank you for putting up with us for how long this is after. We've painstakingly edited out all the mistakes that you won't hear. Um, yes, I would also like to say that you can get in touch with us at uh, FatNorvanXTNS on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it is FatNorvanChristians, um, but the Twitter handle is FatNorvanXTNS. And you can email us at I listened to episode one at fatnorthernchristians.com. Yes, we have been Fat Northern Christians, and we hope that spiritually at least you are Fat Northern Christians too. Goodbye. Goodbye.